trending news right now. So thanks for your interaction so far. Just uh, about also our poll question. I saw there was a response uh, on uh, uh, that. We asked uh, what's been your proudest moment of Zosbini Tunzi as Miss Universe. And uh, Emmet K1, a brother from Halwal North, Ian Pendula from my question yesterday, Emmet K1, all right, great. He says, her response to the questions posed stole my heart, Asanda. Miss Tunzi is a star, as bright as the morning star. Thank you so much. Always great hearing from you, Emmet K1. Now we know you are Uputi. Thanks, Puti. Okay. Atlakang Mulefe, social commentator, talking to us now about social media trends in the last 24 hours. Good morning, Atlakang. Good morning, Asanda. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. All right. Hashtag Bill Gates. Hashtag Melinda Gates. The divorce announcement that has taken uh, Twitter by storm and uh, left us also raising questions about the future of their influence, especially the Gates Foundation, their charity. So were you shocked about this announcement? First of all, let me ask that. I was very shocked about it. Divorcing, rather. After 27 years of marriage. I was definitely shocked about it because when they announced that they're divorcing after 27 years, um, I think everyone was even asking themselves what's going to happen to um, the Gate Foundation, the things that they do for like society, for the world and anything like that. But they did mention that they're still going to work as a cooperate cooperation, like they're still going to do the things that they usually do, but it's just that they are now divorcing. And I was also confused because after 27 years, you would think that um, the relationship or the marriage goes stronger by the years. So now if they divorce after 27 years, what's going to happen? Will things fall apart and things like that? Uh, the Gates Foundation then, do you think, I mean, it's going to be impacted as much as they're saying they will continue to work together on this? Uh, do you think it's going to be negatively impacted? I think it is going to be negatively um, impacted because now if you are no longer together and you no longer actively have like similar goals because at any point when they, as now they are announcing their divorce, it means that they also have to rearrange their lives outside of each other. So even that is going to affect the way in which they do things. So even the foundation itself, I don't think that they're still going to put in the same amount of work. And I also think that eventually they're just going to remove the foundation or the foundation is going to be owned by one of them, which Mm -hmm. is likely going to be Bill Gates. And in that situation, then it means that it, it is going to be affected in the long run. Do you think we are more concerned about the foundation because we know they've pledged, I mean, quite a lot, five billion each year goes into global public health. And just with the pandemic, they pledged about 250 million US dollars last year alone. Are we more concerned about the foundation because we worried about COVID or we would have anyway? Because, I mean, they did start to, to fight disease and poverty around the world besides the pandemic that, that hit us. I think we're more worried and panicking because now we're in the middle of a pandemic and um, the, their contribution is just greatly appreciated and, and it's greatly needed. So I think that's why we're worried about it. But even outside of the pandemic, I think that at any point where like philanthropists who contribute so much money to um, society, to the global world, especially in trying to like mitigate um, diseases or trying to assist in every every means possible, um, I think everyone would definitely be uh, hacked by the fact that the foundation would no longer exist, maybe, or maybe the foundation will not be able to contribute as much as they would. So I think we're more concerned about it either way, it being that we're, we're in a global pandemic at the moment, 
or even outside of that would still be concerned. And of course, uh, the co-chair of the charity, uh, the, the Gates Foundation, is Warren Buffett, uh, who is a trustee. And he's also injected some funds into you know, the, the fund, uh, the, the, the Bill Gates Foundation as well. Do you think that's going to impact that as well? Might, maybe he might pull back with this divorce or he'll, he'll still stand by them? Mm, I think he, I mean, I have faith. I think he will stand by them. Um, but also it's like depending on who gets to maybe own, like like let's say, for example, in this particular situation, if Melissa decides to leave the foundation at some point when she's done and she wants to see her life outside of um, the husband, outside of the foundation, then he might still want to inject some funds into the foundation. But I do feel like in instances where he doesn't agree, because I think now that they're divorced, it also means that they might also have competing ideas about how to grow the foundation. So they might also have a lot of disagreements about how to grow the foundation or what to do and what not to do. In that situation, then it will depend on what he also believes is going to be a justified means to um, assist um, the world or to assist the foundation. So we can't really tell at this point, but I do have faith. But I also think that we need to give it time and we need to um, see how things are going to be moving forward, especially with the separation. And divorces can be messy. I mean, we're hoping it's not going to be the case with them. We do care about their mental health and not just, you know, the foundation and what they're doing to the world. These are people. They are individuals at the end of the day. Uh, But uh, Bill, being the fourth richest man in the world currently now, valued at uh, his fortune at 130 billion U.S. dollars. Do you think he might go down the list then after this divorce? Because there might be alimony, I guess, depending on who filed, uh, what that amount will be and and how messy the two people have decided to be or not be. Uh, Do you see it maybe coming from uh, him coming down the list or number four, maybe going further down now with the divorce? Mm, I doubt. You think he'll stay at number four? I think he'll stay at number four. All right. I think he will stay at number four. All right, we'll see how that pans out. And, and, and as I say, I mean, it's not just a, about the foundation, which is great, but it's two people who are going through a, a challenging time right now. Hashtag please call me now, Atlehang, coming back to South Africa. This saga that's been going on for nearly 21 years, where the inventor of please call me, Nkosana Makate, yet again, went to court to get what he says is owed to him. It's not 47 million rand, he says, as calculated by Vodacom, but rather it's closer to 10 billion rand. Um, that is basically what's happening, that he is doesn't want to accept the 47 million that he's offered. He wants to get uh, a, bil- a billion, so that's 10 billion. So I think that it's justified because um, the thing is, with intellectual property, especially in South Africa, when you work for a company, and this is the one thing that I don't like, you have to sign off your intellectual property because now it means that it's owned by the company itself. So in that situation, then it's hard to dispute because if you're working for a company and you invent something, you are, the thing is now they, it qualifies as a company property and that you are contributing to the company. Unfortunately, in this situation, when he invented something as big as a police call me, that has been able to assist us in many ways. And, and the fact that Vodacom has been able to earn money from it, I do think that 
they need to um, pay him the amount of money that he sees because also intellectual property um, needs to be patent. Like the thing is, we don't have patent here. Like it's, it's very difficult that even if you do have it, um, at some point it you lose those rights. But I think that it's very important then for him to still fight um, Vodacom as a corporate because they are now making a lot of money out of his own invention and he doesn't he's not even getting um any money out of it so i think that it's very important that he if he doesn't want the 47 million and he feels that it's not justified and he wants more i think that he owns or should be given um that space to get more money from vodacom especially because they're making money out of it and i also do think that a company like vodacom that's big and the fact that now they're running away from um, that obligation, and they can't be saying that with when it comes to patent or when it comes to intellectual property that he's not deserving of that amount of money. So this compensation, what are the chances that uh, the Vodacom, because Vodacom CEO Shamil Jusab had calculated based on whatever he did, uh, which was supposed to be due diligence uh, appliant, what are the chances that they would now change their mind? Because then it could seem that they were being fraudulent from the onset. Um, they won't. I, I doubt that um, a company like Vodacom would necessarily now um, give him the money that he demands. Because even the calculation, we don't know what it is based on. Um, we don't know if it's uh, legit, if it's justified. And we also don't know because it, it has it happened a long time ago. We also don't know the true fact of, of the situation. So it's very easy then for Vodacom as a corporate to try and um, you know manipulate the system and make sure that they don't pay the billion that he wants. So we really don't know at this point. Of course, he's got lawyers to pay as well. This has been going on as well for 21 years. It must have taken a knock on him financially. Do you think the court will take that into consideration? Mm, I doubt that they will take that into consideration also because I was thinking to myself that if he can afford um, those lawyers for such a long time, then it definitely means that he one, he probably has the money or like two, maybe... um, the lawyers assisting him now because they do see a world where he does get like the billion that the billions that he wants. Yeah. So I'm just anticipating that it would potentially be like a positive outcome because they wouldn't be going through so much strain and so much work and paying so much money for something that's not going to materialize. So I, I think that there's a hope at some point. All right, we've got a call. I'm not sure if it's on this particular point. Who's calling us uh, there in Hazy View? Uh, good morning, uh, Gary. Okay. Hi, Gary. How are you? No, I have moments. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm not sure if you want to speak about the Vodacom issue. Yes, that's right. Um, I just think, uh, you know, 10 billion, he didn't exactly get a cure for cancer here. Uh, 10 billion, seriously, for please call me? No, let's get a bit more realistic. Um, you know, ask Mike from Newlands, I'm sure he'll concur. Yeah, no, Mike will definitely have a view on that one. <laughs> uh, what do you think, though, Gary? Should the court take into consideration his legal fees and, and all other fees that he's incurred during these, well, this yes, long well, time? I think it should be taken into account. Obviously, he did work there, so the intellectual property thing can be an issue uh, depending on what was signed or what he signed. Um, obviously, if he wasn't in Vodacom, I doubt if he ever would have come up with the idea, possibly. Uh, maybe also something to look at. But, um, you know, I'm sure he deserves something, but $10 billion, Oh, come on. Uh, you know, cure the virus, yeah, 10 billion, I'll give it to you. So 47 uh, million, is that enough for you? I think it's, that's more than fair. 
You know, 47 million, crikey. He doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't even have to go to court again. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for your views, Gary. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Laura. Enjoy your programs. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, Atlehan, Gary's view there in Hazy View, saying 10 million is too much. He's okay with 47 million. He thinks he must just take it and move forward with his life. But let's talk state capture now. Uh, talking former ESCOM executive Machela Koko on Tuesday morning, who accused the state capture inquiry of entertaining lying witnesses. His name, quite a few people that he's saying are lying, according to him. And they're saying these people are being allowed uh, to lie at the inquiry without any consequences. He has been saying that a lot, uh, but without necessarily justifying why that's true. Um, because he was naming people that the state inquiry has been allowing people to lie and that people should be held to account for lying in the, in the inquiry. And also just consistently accusing people of lying and but i also don't think that he's able to justify how that is true like his position is true and how he can be like saying that people are lying for um and have been been allowed to lie for the longest time in the inquiry but i also do think that we need to also place him in a position where we, he needs to justify the things that he's saying because you, you cannot just be running around and saying that people are lying without necessarily giving us proof as to why those individuals are lying. Because even with the email that he was meant to send about uh, the interaction that happened between the Gupta and one of the people at at ESCOM, um, I think that he hasn't been able to send it through, but I also think that even in that position where now you're trying to justify, especially at the inquiry that someone is lying, then you also need proof to justify those things. That's on the ESCOM company secretary, Suzanne Daniels, that he says he's got emails on. Yes, yes, definitely that. But also, even when you are now trying to like spill the tea, especially in that position at an inquiry, you need to spill the tea with um, facts. You need to spill the tea with information that can be able to show how um, the other people have been lying in the inquiry. And I do think that even as a country or even as a citizens of the country, we can feel and we can see that some of the things are lies, but we just need concrete evidence that those things are lies. So you cannot be just running around and saying that people are lying without justifying it or without giving us the concrete proof that we need. Yeah, and, and it's going to be difficult to prove that that lie that he's uh, accusing the former ESCOM executive Abram Masango about saying he lied about meetings on the side of the road. He lied about the meeting on July 11, 2015 and about a number of occasions that he'd been in Melrose Arch. Because how do you prove that? That's true. The only thing, the only way you can prove that is if you have pictures or if you have uh, emails or conversations between two people who are planning to meet up. And I think um, those people are not uh, foolish enough to have made sure that we're able to get access to those things. Maybe pictures show if he does have those pictures, and that would be great. That would um, qualify as proof. But I think emails or like conversations between the two in terms of phone calls or when they were arranging the meetup, it's going to be incredibly difficult then to be able to yeah. find that information because I'm sure at this point it has been cleared, like everything has been cleared. Yeah, 2015 so was we a can't long time ago. Yes, so I mean, we can't trace anything. Look at footage, uh, you know, surveillance at Melrose Arch from back 2015. Can you imagine how much traffic goes in and out of there? So, but anyway, That's, interesting to to follow, hey? That's true. It is interesting, but also I feel like even with. Um, the footage itself, I'm sure they've paid someone to to make sure that it's, it's gone. So it's not going to happen. We're not going to get that proof. 
All right, finally, hashtag Ace Mahashule, ANC National Working Committee, ordering an immediate suspension of uh, the ruling party Secretary General Ace Mahashule and other members facing uh, criminal uh, charges. I think I saw this one coming. I also saw it coming, but I think I wasn't as optimistic, um, um, especially with um, him stepping down, because I know that um, he was crying foul the whole time. And I also know that the party itself is able to protect, it's able to pardon, um, especially people in positions of power for the things that they commit. So I wasn't as optimistic, and I'm actually very shook. But I, I did see it coming because now they are trying to introduce um, like a framework to hold those individuals to account for the things that they've done. But honestly, I, I wasn't as optimistic about it. Let's leave it there. But also, I want to know what your favorite moment or proudest moment of Zosbini Tunzi as Miss Universe has been. Do you have one? I don't know if you've been following her career. Um, no, but I think what I've... No, actually, no. I'm, I'm, I don't want to lie. I really don't want to. I haven't been following, but I did see the conversation um, here on SAFM. I think it happened earlier, or, but you were just talking about it. But with, I did With Trevor Noah. That. Yeah, but I don't, I don't remember, I don't know. I don't think I have any, to be honest. <laughs> you are an entire social commentator, Atla. Uh, why are you doing this to me? No, <laughs> I was I'm hoping you'd say something. Anything. You know why? Because I'm so biased. I mean, she is from Edukia, where I'm from. So I need to hear something oh, good from you. <laughs> so which one? What, what is your proudest moment? Maybe you can give me two and then well, I'll Well, for me, it was, the well, it was the fact that we're from the same hometown. And the okay. other thing was that she's so proudly South African. And her African beauty is something that's always at the top of how she presents herself to the world. I appreciate that. And I know we have a lot of activists in terms of us being African, embracing our natural hair and our mm. dark beauty beauty those of us who are dark some of us are, are yellow like me but still african but i think yeah. i think she was one of those who stood out for me because for me it felt authentic with her yeah i think also to i could just to extend on that i think he also uh made up girls who have short hair to feel comfortable in themselves mm. so it's like making something that is usually not um as desirable or something that's not usually as accepted especially in like Miss Universe or Miss Essay, to be to be a norm, like to be something that's acceptable. Because following her, um, even the 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 current Miss South Africa is someone without who doesn't wear weaves like as, as as often as people would anticipate. So I do think that she made a lot of impact in terms of how we conceptualize the show itself and what we make of it. So that can also be like the, my proudest moment of her. Awesome. All right. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. No problem. Enjoy your day. Atlehang. Thank you so much. Same to you. Thanks. Atlehang Mulefe, social commentator, talking trending topics here on Sound Awake.